So I was saying, I, I watched the uh, conversation you had with, with Gary. Um, sounds like you think about regrets a lot. Well, uh, when you're going to be 86, <laughs> you've got a lot to think about. Uh, yeah. Regrets, successes, and so forth. Um, but uh, no, I, I mean, I trip myself up a hell of a lot. Th- those are my regrets. Uh, the things I should have done that I didn't do that I could have done. Yeah. You know, that's... Uh, but what the hell? I'm here, which means that, hey, I must have done something or I wouldn't be uh, signing books and speaking to you now. So... Yeah, was it... I, I was... I was uh, you, you, you showed uh, Candide in its unfinished form at the, at the uh, panel, and I was watching you watch it a little bit, and I was wondering what that feeling was like. Uh, I was wondering why the hell I gave it up. It was really a good film. Uh, It was very stupid of me. But uh, I was, uh, listen, I was broken. I was tired. Um, But I should really have gotten back to it uh, because there was a lot going for it. But the problem was that until I recut it, which was uh, after my studio, oh, my studio was about to fold, um, the thing started to work for me. I made the mistake of doing things sequentially following Voltaire's book. Yeah. And didn't realize, hey, this is Blackman's film. It's not Voltaire's film. Uh, so in recutting it, I made it my own thing. But I hadn't seen it for a hell of a long time. And uh, seeing it again, I realized, hey, that's, that's good stuff. So who knows? I mean, maybe I may go back to it. I don't know. There, there, there must be because uh, you, you had mentioned this before. There, 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 there's some impulse to stay true to the subject matter. I mean, there's a reason why you're adapting in the first place. Uh, yeah, identified with uh, Candide. Uh, I mean, we all think that the world is us for the grabbing, and then we learn, oh my God, that's not true at all. So, yeah. Candide uh, <clears throat> absorbed. Pangloss's theories of uh, it's all for the best, and uh, so she yeah, identified with Candida a hell of a lot. Do, uh, do you do you identify with the story differently now at this point in your life than you did when you started the project? No, I don't think I'm very different than when I was a teenager or uh, yeah. uh, younger. No, I think I'm the same person. You know, you know, when when you grow older, uh, you simply add to your life. You don't eliminate aspects of your life. You simply, uh, you're still a baby, a youngster, an adolescent, etc., etc., etc. That's what I find. I mean, I'm no different than uh, basically I was as a kid. I learned a hell of a lot more, that's for sure. That's about it. Why did you end up leaving the project? I... Um, well, I was tired. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I didn't have the money for it. And I saw all the problems with it, and uh, I was a little overwhelmed by them. I I didn't realize all the virtues in the film. The only thing I could see was, as I mentioned in my talk, my 18th century uh, protagonist had a 1920s uh, (laughs) hairstyle, and I'd have to change that. And there were other things that I would like to change. And so I was very discouraged at the amount of uh, back work I'd have to do. With, 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 did you have the idea that it was something you might circle back to at some point? Yeah, I think I might. I yeah. mean, if anybody would say, hey, let's do it, I'd join them. But, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, but look, it's an excuse. I'm the one who should push it. Yeah. And if I don't push it, nobody else will. So that's uh, a hard lesson to learn. 
you know, we're all of us waiting for uh, saviors of one kind or another, and uh, we have to be our own best advocate. Nobody's going to do it for us. It's 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 funny, you know. I to have watched. I think two people ask the same question, and it's obvious why they ask the question in the context of a show like this. Of you know, why not use the template that you started to make the film and turn it into a comic or a, a, a graphic novel? Um, it sounded like you were. I don't know if dismissive is the right word, but you feel as though the, the comics version of it would almost be an unfinished version of the film. Well, because I think I'm a more more of a filmmaker than I am of a uh, still artist. Yeah. Uh, look, I wouldn't be a graphic novelist if I weren't a filmmaker. I think that everybody who does graphic novels is a potential filmmaker. Yeah. Because you're staging things, you're timing things, you have close-ups, long shots. But what you don't have are things like pans, dissolves, music, voice. There are so many things that are missing, but there are so many filmic. Um, abilities that go into yeah. graphic novels. So I always think of uh, graphic novels as basically storyboards. You know, I think that a lot of graphic novelists probably love films, and yeah. they probably have learned about them, learned from them, and uh, absorbed it sufficiently to put it down uh, on paper. But when, when, when you look at uh, the, the, the book that, uh, that recently came out on Fantagraphics, does that feel, in a sense, like an unfinished work because it's not a film? No. No, I think it's very complete in itself. Uh, you know what's very interesting is looking at my Candide, which I hadn't uh, looked at, I don't know, 20 years or so. Yeah. Uh, I noticed that there was this scene in Candide that I replicate in Amadeo and Maladeo. Uh, it's where um, the two young people, uh, the protagonist uh, and the little match girl, I managed to throw a little match girl in yeah. there, um, are befriended by an older man who uh, wants to help them out and turns out to be uh, using them for his own ends. And that scene was done... 20, 30 years ago in my Candide film. You know, you always re, re, recapitulate things. Yeah. Yeah, themes and uh, specific uh, in, incidents. What, what, was, what was the experience like showing something, showing something unfinished, showing something that, that, um, that, you know, obviously you can pick out all of the mistakes in. What was it like screening that for a room full of people? Uh, I liked the film a hell of a lot more than when I uh, first did what I had done. Uh, no, I really liked it. Uh, but when I uh, dropped it, and it dropped me yeah. because I ran out of funds, uh, and the studio was closing at about that time, I could only see the flaws. Now I can see the virtues. Uh, but look, look, at my age, I don't know that I'm going to go back to it. Plus, a lot of the people who are very uh, instrumental in shaping it have uh, gone to the beyond. Yeah. So uh, I- I'm-, I'm very aware of uh, not having the um, ability to use these uh, wonderful, wonderful animators who are themselves storytellers and um, visualizers and uh, filmmakers, really. It, it, it was an ambitious project for a number of reasons, one of which is, um, you know, when we're talking about funding commercial appeal, the fact that you've worked on a lot of 
a lot of advertisements. Um, you know, it, it seems like a Voltaire book might be a tough sell for a, a full-length film. Um, no, not really. Um, because a lot of people know Candide. Yeah. Uh, when I mentioned Candide to uh, people, they said, oh, yeah, Len Bernstein's Candide, <laughs> which I don't think was a very good production, although some of the music was fine. Yeah. But uh, I think that was, that was a very flawed take on uh, the book, which is why so many people had to get involved in the shaping of it. Uh, and it ultimately uh, wasn't a very successful financially and artistically uh, undertaking. Um, I forgot what the question was. I don't think oh, I uh, answered uh, it. Oh, uh, just, I, I, I guess, the kind of the, the potential commercial viability of a book like Candy. Oh, no. Um, look, if it's a good film, word of mouth will uh, yeah. uh, be what brings people yeah. to it. I mean, the way I see most films is not because I read reviews, but because a friend taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, I just saw a great film. And so I want to know, hey, what's the film you liked? Yeah. And then on the basis of that strong recommendation, I'll go see it and I'll pass it on. Because the great problem with films is I'm told if they don't do well in the first week or two, yeah. then they're dropped, which is stupid. Well, and, and, and on top of that, when you're going around and pitching it and looking for the funding, you have to you have to sell it. You have to convince them that this is going to be a successful project. And, yeah, and, 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 and since you haven't done it yourself, yeah. you can't convince them with any conviction. Sorry, I'm, You know, I had an interesting experience. I think about two or three years ago, uh, I was asked to do an animated uh, opening for a film, or the animated titles. Yeah. And so uh, I went to the filmmakers uh, to see the film, to see the rough cut, and I found myself editing the rough cut. And I ended up as an associate uh, editor. And that's when I realized forcefully, for God's sakes, I'm a filmmaker. You know, but I think a lot of uh, uh, um, uh, graphic novelists are potential filmmakers. Yeah. The, the, I mean, one of, one of the key differences, though, is, is it's a lot uh, easier to see your vision from start to end in a graphic novel. I mean, obviously, yes. you've got an editor... You're working with a publisher, but then you then you run into the problem of too many cooks when you're working with a large studio. Um, no, I haven't found that. Yeah. I've done two large projects, both hour long, and I found that I pretty well had my own way. Yeah, uh, and I also uh, worked with a lot of good people, uh, so the input I got was valuable. Uh, the producers, no, they they left me alone. Okay. PBS in both cases. Yeah. Well, that's that's it. I mean, it, it seems like... They're enlightened. Yeah. But sometimes producers can come in, stick their big noses yeah. in a project, and improve it. Uh, I once saw a film, I can't think of the name of it, Naked City, and oh, I could yes. be wrong. Yeah. Uh, but what happened is uh, that after it was made, the producer said, you know, there's one thing wrong with the film. So the filmmaker, I, I can't remember who it was, said, well, well what was that? It needed a voiceover narrative. So the filmmaker said, well, who should that be? I mean, who, who did you have in mind? And the producer said, uh, I could do it. I'm fine. And you want to know something? The film was improved. Yeah. That sometimes happens. Yeah. They can be very enlightened producers. You know, it does exist. I, I, I guess I'm just thinking that, you know, certainly um, the way the studio system looks now versus, you know, 20, yeah. 30 years ago, um, everything's a lot more polished. Uh, it's, everything seems to be working a lot more by committee. It, se it seems like there are fewer sort of 
particularly with you know large uh, feature length animation, you know with you know I, uh, Bill Plimpton is a is certainly an exception to this, but um, it seems a lot harder to have that sort of singular vision in animation these days. Perhaps I really don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you might be right. I'm sorry to hear it. I hope that's yeah. not the case. No, there are many Bill Plimptons around. Yeah, I don't exactly. think there are any Bill Plimptons around. <laughs> well, there's one, and he's right over there. But that's and what's not his it. name? Bill Plimpton. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know him. Yeah, and I love his T-shirt. Yeah, just draw it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yes, just, just do it. You know, very hard to. Uh, you know, I think that uh, a lot of artists are insecure. I think that uh, they. I mean, maybe the reason I came into the art world was that's the only way I could draw attention to myself. I couldn't do it verbally. I couldn't do it physically, so I did it visually. Yeah. You know? I mean, I have a terrible thing to say, but I remember my first year of college, there was a big dance, and I remember that I did all the murals uh, on the walls, but I didn't do any dancing, and that, uh, I think, is... uh, My dancing was on the walls, okay? Yeah. But uh, I think that was my uh, substitute. That's how I kind of uh, drew attention to myself yeah. you know alright well though there's, I mean there's a lesson there too in just um, trying to kind of enjoy things while they happen also you know and not, not being too you know I mean maybe you know maybe standing up and dancing from time to time oh yeah maybe you would have been happier if every once oh, in a while you'd, maybe you'd, you'd sit up and dance so, so is this book um, I mean it, it, uh, Amadeo Maldeo is this something that um was ever in your head as being an animated piece, or was this start no, to finish? No, no, I knew I, I started as a graphic novel, yeah. and it ended up that way. And uh, I, I have thought that it might make an animated film, but the track would have to be Mozart or based on Mozart. And there, and, and I was afraid of to use a French word, the longueurs, which might exist. And I thought to myself, how the hell am I going to visualize all the music? Yeah. So, uh, but I'm, I might be able to, but uh, Mr. Big hasn't come knocking on my door to say, uh, hey, let's make an animated film out of this. It's, 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 it's a tough one to, uh, to do as a film uh, because of the uh, track. I wouldn't know how to handle it, but I might. I often thought that the selling point would be, hey, there's a potential market for for classical music, yeah, uh, in film, I don't know. It, it is interesting that you have to. I mean, think of the market. Yeah, yeah, that you have to, uh, exactly, yeah. and I think that's probably even more of yeah. the case than it was. Oh yeah, then. yeah, yeah. Uh, were you were you hesitant to do advertisements at, early on? Uh, yes and no, but more no than yes. Yeah, I love the money. I love the publicity. I love the exposure. I enjoyed the work. It was yeah. so silly. Uh, I mean, I was good at it because I didn't give a damn. Uh, <laughs> so I enjoyed myself, and others enjoyed what I did because uh, I had fun, so they, had, they shared in the fun. Um, what I didn't like about it was, hey, I'm for sale. Yeah. You got the money, you've got me. That bothered the hell out of me because I, uh, I always had, uh, in quotes, a social conscience. I always was... Um, a lefty, a progressive, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, Capitalistic uh, concerns. Yeah, but uh, no, it was for sale. Yeah. And uh, that bothered me. Uh, and, and that's why I showed that second film, 
uh, because that's the conflict that most people in organizations have. They owe something to the organization they're paid yeah. to work for, but they may feel that, hey, what the hell I'm doing is not the healthiest. Can, can you describe the, the, the second film? Uh, the CAT scan film? Yeah, it has to do with uh, uh, a Siamese twin, um, one of whom is a hypochondriac. And so he drags his other self <laughs> his other uh, head. to a doctor. Yeah. And the doctor keeps prescribing procedures that isn't really necessary. Except it's always justified by the fact that, well, there are little things that I have to really investigate. I have to be thorough. I mean, sure, you're 99% healthy, but it's that 1% that just bothers me professionally. I have to look into it. Uh, and ultimately what happens is when the two of them, the you know, Siamese twins, both decide, hey, enough's enough, they run out of the operating table, and suddenly, I love this, the two heads become one, a one person. Yeah. And the doctor runs after them, and he becomes a Siamese twin, and then he gets a third head. And one of the heads argues that, hey, you work for the hospital. You owe a certain something to us. Bills are paid. Your fee is being paid, etc., etc. So, uh, I mean, it was my reaction to uh, being uh, the unhealthy... Uh, Head and the Siamese twin. It was an interesting film. Uh, you know, I, I hadn't seen it. I didn't know yeah. what I was getting myself into watching it. I, I from from your description before we watched it, I you know I thought it was going to be sort of a, 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 a short film introducing people to the idea of a CAT scan. Yeah, I mean that seems. But like it wasn't CAT scan. It, it was the second procedure that yeah. was the dangerous one. That with I the die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when when. So NBC approached you to create that? Well, what's amazing is they accepted the damn thing because it was very much uh, questioning the medical profession, the hospital scene. Yeah. And it's as valid now as it was 30 years ago whenever I was, it was made. But, but what was the... Um, so so they, they approached you... No, they said, hey, there's this new procedure. Okay. Would you do an animated film about yeah. it? And so I did. Uh, and I exposed a raw nerve, which... Uh, I mean, listen, that's the old NBC, the way we had it, yeah. the old CBS, you know. I mean, uh, uh, I think the networks were uh, a hell of a lot more tolerant of uh, anti-establishment yeah. uh, subject matter than they are now. It's interesting. I, you know, I look at, I look at something like the, the season's greeting short you did, and what strikes me about it more than anything else, um, what makes it stand out versus, you know, what's on television now is how much silence is allowed in the piece. I mean, that's not... Oh, even the fact that, hey, it's a 60-second greeting. Yeah. Later, uh, CBS forced me to do a 30-second greeting. Version of it, yeah. And if they paid enough and asked me to do a three-second version, I'd say, well, can you make it four or five-second, please? No, no, we only have the three-second time slot, yeah. but we'll give you a little more money. And I would say, well, all right. No. It's, just, it's just interesting, you know. I, I, I hate to be cynical this way. No, no, cynicism is fine, believe All me. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's just, you don't see, on television, you don't see large stretches of, of silence. silence. I mean, it's it's very white, it's in the snow. But, but hey, think about the opening of my NBC film. Yeah. It starts out with, what, five seconds of black? Yeah. Hey, what's wrong with my television yeah. set? Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, 
Uh, Bill Cartopoulos wanted to know if anything was wrong with uh, with the film. So uh, no, it, 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 things were different then. Yeah, I, you know, I, I look or I look at something like the um, you know the the original Charlie Brown Christmas movie, and then also has sort of large large stretches of silence yeah, in it as yeah. well. And it's it, obviously when you're animating something, it's that much more deliberate because it takes that much more time. Oh, yeah. to get that on screen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you want so film is what you're focused on right now. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd love to. I love film. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to. Uh, um, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Um, because you know, there, 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 there are some there's somebody and some people here I'm discussing film with. Okay. And I, I'm I'm very superstitious. Oh, sure. And it's also inappropriate because either. The, the project is going to happen or it's not going to happen yeah. and if it's going to happen see me in a year we'll talk I will. again I'll meet you back here in a year okay um, is, is it just I mean is it just harder to get a film project started than it was uh, wow I don't know if it's harder now than it was then yeah uh, I think it's always been hard I yeah. think it's always been hard uh, look, people have to buy something they haven't seen. Uh, and yeah. with me, okay, I have a track record, but hey, this stuff was done 30, 40 years ago. Come on now. I mean, uh, you know, I'm going to be 86 years old, which yeah. worries me because I think that old age happens like that. Yeah. Or as my doctor said when I said, uh, how do you feel treating somebody who's... Uh, old and he said uh, Mr. Blackman you're not old you're very old thanks doc <laughs> I go here to see to hear that uh, but no I, uh, I always think of what a Russian scientist once said uh, that aging is like the formation of ice the process is invisible and suddenly yeah. ice happens I think with old age it's gradual, gradual, gradual. A little failing here, a little failing there. It's mostly invisible, and then wham. Yeah. So I'm I'm a little worried about that because, uh, hey, come on now, uh, you know, at my age, I don't know that I can undertake certain things. Uh, well, we'll see. I do or I don't, you know. Well, one of the, one of one of the regrets that you had mentioned, and this is something I had I'd seen you speak about in in interviews before, so it must have been kind of a. Uh, I guess a seminal regret in a yeah. sense is that it's the Curious George movie that you were offered. Oh boy! Um, and and you felt like it, there was the the subject matter was beneath you at the time. Uh, I had another project in mind that I wanted to do, and it never happened. I started work on it. Uh, I, I love the book, The Golden Ass of Apuleius, first novel ever written, Robert Graves' translation. Fabulous book. Yeah. It's as rich now as it must have been then. Uh, but I had a bad take on it. And probably, I, I tend to be an improviser. And in making a film, you can't improvise too much. You have to have the storyboard down pat and working yeah. before you actually start a production. Uh, I had an incomplete storyboard. And that was the mistake. Uh, now if I ever get into a large project or if I ever get into any project I have to make damn sure that my uh, storyboard is tight and working. You know? I've never heard anybody use the word 
you know, improvisational around animation at all. That seems to be one of the least improvisational. Oh, oh speak to the guy next to me, Bill Plimpton. Yeah. He's all improvisation. Although I wonder, I have to ask him um, how, uh, how his storyboards are. I mean, how uh, yeah. finished Concrete, they are. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think he's probably a hell of an improviser, and I think he probably improvises on whatever storyboard he might have. Yeah, I, I guess I just sort of tend to think of animation as being a concrete thing, given the amount of work that goes into oh, it. Well, it is, but uh, when the uh, owner of the studio is also sure. the animator, director, yeah. and producer, come on now, yeah, you, you can get away with a hell of a lot. So, did did you feel that? Did you feel that? Starting with something like uh, like Curious George, which is obviously a, a children's book. I mean, is it something that you can elevate or operate on the same level as source material like yeah. Candide or Mozart? Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe I was afraid that it had to stick too closely to uh, the books. Yeah. But uh, no. A book is something you read in five, ten minutes. A, a film is something that you uh, live through for an hour yeah. and 15 minutes. I probably would have done a hell of a good job, and we wouldn't be here in New York. We'd be in Hollywood. No, it was, it was, I, I killed a career. It was a very, very, very serious mistake. Uh, but what the hell? I've learned from it. So, second chances like that don't come along? Uh, they might. Yeah. They might. And I think you make your own chances. You know, I really do think so. Uh, I mean, it's difficult, you know. But what the hell? Listen, doing this book was difficult. I yeah. just have to change. Oh, look at this beautiful little girl there. Hello. That's Eva. Eva. Yeah. Oh, you know her. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> she was about to be fed a uh, banana, but yeah. it fell on the uh, floor. Bye-bye. N- nice little girl. Really yeah. beautiful little girl. No, I, I probably, I might, I might go back to Candide. I just might do it. Yeah. Uh, I felt like you know, watching you watch it, all the ideas start flooding back. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, uh, I, I, I lost an extraordinary animator uh, since starting it, Tisa David by name. Uh, thank God, there's another animator. Ed Smith by name, who's well in his 90s and uh, is as uh, productive as ever because I just finished a little film with him, which, by the way, I did with Bill Plimpton. How about that? Yeah. I wanted to have a studio backup, so uh, I got in touch with Bill, and I said, hey, Bill, do you want to produce it? And he said, yes, sure. Yeah. So uh, it was perfect. Uh, So in any event, uh, yeah, I might do it. I might do it. And I'll see you in a year or two. And uh, you'll say, hey, yeah, I remember we first talked about this yeah. at MoCA. When, when, when you finish a book like this, you, you come to show and it's out, I mean, does it feel like, does it feel like an accomplishment in the same way that, that, that producing a film does? Uh, yes and no. Uh, uh, to, be, um, to, to be brutally... Beautifully, beautifully, beautifully. Yeah. Uh, no, there are some problems with the production, and uh, uh, Gary Groth knows it. And maybe if some of the problems were of my own making, but uh, there were some drawings that were heavier than they should be. Uh, the cover should have had an opaque white, and it's translucent, so the effect is diminished. You know, there are problems with it, but basically. It's a very well done book. 
Uh, and it's very interesting. I sold it to him as a black and white book. Yeah. But I decided, hell no, I want to put color in it. Uh, and uh, so it's very interesting. Uh, you know, it's accepted as one thing, but then I thought, no, 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 no. I have to push it. Yeah. And uh, I spent about two months doing the uh, coloring. And for a guy my age who grew up in a non-digital era uh, and had to use Photoshop, I'm kind of proud that I was able to do what I did. I mean, in a way, I mean, you know, obviously it's not exactly what you would imagine in your head when you started, and, and no project really is That's 100%. That is true. Um, I mean, in a sense, isn't that part of the pleasure of creating, is seeing things evolve? Yeah. Um, but you're still bothered by the things that could have been better. Sure. Uh, but, you know, the book is called uh, A Musical Duet. Yeah. Uh, but the production is a trio. It's me, the producer, Fantagraphics, and the printer. And I didn't have any connection with the printer as I should have had. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I saw certain things uh, that were emailed to me, but when you're seeing things on the screen, you're not really seeing how they're printed. But to hell with it. Basically, it was a well, it's a well-done book. Are, are you are you a natural collaborator? I mean, it, it seems like that might not be something that comes really easy to you. Uh, yeah, I love to. I'm, I'm very much a collaborator. Okay. I mean, you can't be a filmmaker of any kind yeah. without collaborating. You have to be very careful who you collaborate with. Yeah. I think one of the problems with uh, Candide is I wasn't able to c- collaborate with people in my studio. I had to go outside. I shouldn't say this. The people from my studio are still around. I met some today, but I didn't have an equal or a superior. Yeah. And so uh, my storyboard was flawed, and uh, people had too much faith in me. Uh, my, my storyboard wasn't as good as it should have been. Is there anything of, of, of all of the things that you've done over the years, is there anything you're able to look at and not just see pages full of flaws? Well, I haven't seen as many books as I wish I had. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, f- the few books I have seen knocked me out. I mean, I think the new great art form is the graphic novel. Oh, no I, mean, I'm, I mean, just in terms of things that you've done, because it seems like, and, I, and I, I believe me, I understand this, but it seems like when, when you look at it, all you sort of see are, are the flaws. The flaws are kind of overwhelming oh, oh, you mean, of no. your own work. Oh, no. Uh, I love Drone and Quarterly. Uh, they took my graphic stories yeah. drawing lines and did a beautiful 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 job yeah uh, and the editor was very much a collaborator he was good was Chris yeah he was amazing yeah. and is amazing uh, then I did two books I guess in the 70s and I can't believe they were as well done as they were yeah they didn't have book jackets but I paid for the book jackets I felt hey it's not a book if it doesn't have a jacket uh but it had gatefolds and all sorts of fancy schmancy things. I love those two books. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I guess those are my three favorite books. Oh, well, my, my, uh, I love uh, something I did in 1980, which was uh, uh, very autobi- uh, autobiographical, because I wrote a hell of a lot of, uh, about it. Uh, what was it called? Behind the Lines. I love Behind the Lines, Talking Lines. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting all my lines sure. confused. That was a, a very well done book. Yeah. 
uh, I was lucky enough to have an extraordinary designer working with me. She was really a collaborator. Uh, her name, Bea Feitler, she, or as she was nicknamed, Bea Fighter, uh, because she was uh, a very feisty person. Yeah. She was the first art director of Vanity Fair, and she, it would have been a different Vanity Fair if she had taken over. It would have been the 1920s Vanity Fair, which I dearly miss. I don't like the latest Vanity Fair, even though I submit stuff. <laughs> are, are you... Is it possible to be, to be as proud of the commercial work? Yeah, yeah. I think my commercial work is good. Yeah. Uh, because I had a hell of a good time with it, and sometimes I knocked fun at it, and I think people enjoyed that, yeah. and clients too. Volkswagen, it's a lemon. Not that I did it, but boy, did that attract attention. Yeah. I did the same sort of thing. Maybe because I didn't like advertising and I wanted to have fun. I was very good at this stuff. You were able to be a little a little looser with it than you would with Yeah, I remember I did something for LL, and it was a full-page comic strip. Uh, and it ran the New York Times. Yeah. First time the, first time the gray lady had... Uh, uh, I'm trying to find a, a young with it lady. I'm trying to find the term, but now with it. No, uh... It was good for El Al, it was good for uh, yeah. uh, the New York Times, and it was good for me. But in, in a sense, it's possible to, to do your best work when the stakes feel a little bit lower because you're able to play around with things that you wouldn't necessarily play around with. That's true. I tend to tighten up on the yeah. big projects. Uh, when I, I did certain things for The New Yorker, I was dead for a week. Uh, because they do watercolor, and watercolor is a very difficult medium. Uh, Barry Blitz seems to be uh, better off doing it than I was when I was doing it. I'm sure that uh, he didn't spend a week in bed after he worked on it. Uh, but no, I sometimes... T- yeah. You know, when you tighten up, you're not free and you can't play. And if you can't play, you can't work well. You know, you can't take it that seriously. Are, are, are you thinking about what defines your own style? Oh, no, no, my style... Well, yeah, I always... Uh, look, I, I have a lot of styles. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that the use of my color here is very much that of a graphic designer. You know, but, it's but very there are certainly, But there are certainly, you know, um, aspects that I could look at across most of what you've done that make it very identifiable as your work. Well, that's the line work. Yeah. Uh, but the coloring uh, has a... Uh, a very designed yep. uh, aspect, you know. Um, all right. are, are you are you able these days? Are you able to be a, a little bit looser? Are you trying to play around more than than you were? Yeah, before? but sometimes it takes time. For example, I do uh, poetry books. Uh, poetry books, I love it. I'm looking somebody looking at my book. That's how I'm thinking <laughs> books. Um, I, uh, I I I visualize poetry. Yeah. Uh, for the New York Times Sunday Magazine. And it took me about a year to figure out how the hell do I make that small space work. I'm doing it now. Yeah. And I'm also playing more with it. Uh, I have problems with the poems because I don't understand a hell of a lot of them. (laughs) Uh, But that, in a way, has freed me to to be very free in my interpretation of what I think the poem is about. Mm. You know... uh, 
poems nowadays tend to be uh, very much like John Ashbery's stuff, very personal. Uh, and if you can't understand the poet's mind, what the hell is he or she talking about? Yeah, you need context. And that bothers me. I mean, I think that the first uh, function of uh, any writer of any kind is to communicate yeah. with uh, his or her reader. That's essential. And I, I, I don't think much of the poetry communicates to most people. Uh, it doesn't to me. But there are things that I... Uh, there are some poems that knock me out that I like a lot. Yeah. But, it, uh, b- but to get back to uh, what I was first saying, it took me about a year to figure out how the hell do I work with this tiny space? Uh, it's a long vertical. And it's a very uh, thin vertical. And that doesn't very favor the illustration. For example, I had to do something in this week's issue on genealogy. Well, if you're doing a genealogical chart, that's vertical. It's not horizontal. So I had to think, how the hell do I express genealogy uh, horizontally? So I did. Like a tree. Yeah, yeah, a tree. So take a look at it. I solved it very nicely, I think. But it took me a long time to realize, okay... This is what the art director said is my yeah. real estate, and I have to work with my given territory. Well, is that are, are working with all those constraints? Is that is that helpful? Uh, to have a very specific thing that you need to do yes, within, it is. within a specific space. Yes, it is. But I have to adjust to it. I have to say, okay, yeah. this is it. Uh, I'm given one color. I'm not given four colors. I'm given yeah. this size. I'm not given my size. Uh, the art director can't adapt his or her layout to what I'm given, which is usually the case. Yeah. You know, uh, so suddenly uh, I find, oh my God, I have to uh, work in miniature. And I also find that I have to work with a different pen, a heavier pen, so the damn thing reads. I have to work with lighter color so that when it goes over the black and white drawing, the black and white drawing can be seen. So, all right, I make a lot of accommodations, but big deal. Uh, I've done it all the time. Uh, when I did a lot of work for the New York Times op-ed, I would always use a very thick pen because, let's face it, it's a newspaper. And uh, a thin line simply doesn't hit yeah. the viewer the way it has to. My wife hates my thick line. <laughs> she always says, hey, use a thin pen. Well, I use a thin pen when... Uh, the circumstances uh, allow it. Are, are you still? Do you still derive pleasure from it? Is it still? Is, is it still thrilling and fun after all these years? Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love it when I can come up with a good solution. I hate it when I can. Yeah. Sometimes uh, come up with a blooper. Uh, but no, I love the challenge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love seeing this stuff. But hey, that's me. I did it, and I like it. Anybody else like it? <laughs> I've always. I found that you know, in my own experiences with writing, it's the. The thing that keeps me going back to it is the feeling of getting all the puzzle pieces in place and the, the feeling of connecting all the different dots. Like, that is... Oh, yeah. That's the rush of, of making something. Uh, what sort of writing do you do? Um, I don't do as much creative as I used to. It's mostly journalism, but... That's creative. Yeah, well, it is. In a, yeah, I'm not, not creative from a fiction standpoint, but... Well, but, I don't know. But taking two things that don't seem to connect at all yeah. and then finding the common thread is what ends up keeping me going. Uh, uh, I was just reading uh, Clive James, 
And uh, his uh, latest book consists of uh, journalism, just pieces that, uh, and I liked it a hell of a lot. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's good, good, good reading, you know. And I don't know that uh, good journalism is any less than good, uh, a good novel. Yeah. I really, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, a good novel can, I mean, my God, it's, uh, uh, you know, so, it's so rich. Yeah. Journalism can't be that. But still, it can be entertaining, and that's something that's valuable. It, it, it's interesting. I was I was speaking with a, a young cartoonist the other day, and she said that um, she feels that uh, comics are more of are more conducive to, to short form storytelling. That it's you know that that at least when she sits down and, and creates, like it's easier for her to create these shorter pieces. That she really has to kind of go out of her way to but make. But that's her. Yeah. You know. But it sounds like, you know, it sounds like long form. I don't want to say comes easy to you, but long form is kind of your default setting in a way. Uh, yes and no. I do a lot of short form things. Um, uh, I do do one strip cartoons. Yeah. But if I had to do them, I would do them. Uh, but I find that uh, I sometimes like to do uh, punchy little things with yeah. uh, five, six, eight, twelve panels. Uh, a story is a story, and uh, it's communicated long form, short term form, medium form, according to the subject. But there, but there is something ultimately rewarding about a book or a movie, or having felt like you really poured yourself into something, and now it's done. Yeah, and no, have- I liked it. No, I, I think Amadeo Maladeo yeah. is a good book, and uh, thank God Gary, uh, Gary did it. Yeah, uh, I shouldn't be saying this. But I am. Uh, it was first shown to Drone and Quarterly, and Drone, uh, um, uh, Chris uh, Oliveras yeah. loved it. I mean, I could tell he loved it. Yeah. You know how I could tell? Because he didn't get back to me for weeks and weeks and weeks. And uh, hey, I had done, uh, you know, the Drone and Quarterly book. Uh, but he passed on it because he said, damn it, I don't think it's going to sell. Yeah. You know, and Gary didn't care. I mean, he did what publishers used to do a long time ago. Publishers used to have loss leaders. They would lose money on it, yeah. but they would gain prestige. Yeah. And ultimately, this would uh, up the value of the whole line. Yeah. You know? So they lose money on this book. But hey, there's word of mouth that, boy, Knopf is really publishing great stuff. Yeah. Nowadays, with this bottom line mentality, you, uh, you can't have that uh, ethic. I, I have to ask you... Um about you know the, the screening of, of the film, um, is it you know is 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 it rewarding to show people something unfinished like that? I mean, would you rather you know? I mean, now there are ways to get all that out into the world. There's you know YouTube and all these different sites. Is it um, would it be more rewarding if like if people actually saw it, even an unfinished version, versus it just sitting in a vault forever? Uh, not feel embarrassed. Yeah, you know. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm being uh, persnickety, but it really bothers me that uh, my heroine has a 1920s bob. It really bothers the hell out of me. I mean, it kills me. Yeah. You know, I mean, why be... Uh, I, love it, I love this. Why be 99 or 79 or whatever percent accurate historically and yeah. then have a thing like that? Yeah. But I felt, uh, gee, I don't know how the hell to do, uh, uh, you know, an 18th century hairdo. But, you, but you, you said that, you know, that when you're making it that you have to do... 
your Candide and not his Candide. So isn't that more of your Candide? Uh, no, but I have to be honest to the yeah. uh, period, okay. you know. Uh, and I was pretty well honest to the period. Yeah. And so you can't have, you know, uh, y- y- again, you have to have a certain fidelity to the yeah. material. Uh, but now, what the hell? I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll live with the 1920s Bob if anybody would uh, come up with uh, the you, you, do re mi. You, you can still look at it and still be proud of what you did? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very good. I think it's very good. I think it could be very good. Yeah. Uh, but boy, is that some undertaking. Wow. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's, it's a massive one. Yeah. I mean, I'm not Bill Plimpton, for God's sakes. <laughs> you know? I mean, Bill Plimpton, he's a uh, director, animated producer, yeah. and youngster by my standards. You have, to, but you have to look back at all that you've done over the years, like nah. the cumulative work. You've done so much stuff. No, but that's... Yeah. I'm alive now, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I have ideas now. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're not alive in the past, and it kills me yeah. to think of the past. I mean, my wife often talks about what wonderful times we had. Yeah. And I think, hey, I'm concerned with what Still we're around. having and will have. Yeah. Don't tell me about what we had. I used to live in New York, and two, and just before coming here, I had a dream. And the dream was that I was in Manhattan, and it was kind of turn of the century. I was looking at these older buildings and just loving it. But I was a little lost. I was trying to get back to Central Park West. And then when I woke up, and I couldn't find my way back to Central Park West. Oh, yeah, yeah, there I think it is. But when I woke up, I thought, oh, my God. I used to live on Central Park West. Now I don't. You know, because when my studio went under, yeah. so I had to sell the goddamn thing. <laughs> well, it wasn't a goddamn thing. It was great. Yeah. Uh, and I want everything. I mean, I want my Central Park West pad. I want my estate in the country. Yeah. I want the money to pay for the estate in the country. I want it all. So I tell my wife, don't tell me what I had. You know, it's what I have and what I hope to have. You know, you're living in the present and hoping for the future. You don't live in the past. It's yeah. bad news. But do you, do you feel like you've accomplished a lot? I don't think I've lived up to my talent. Really? That's a hell of a thing to say. I think, as I said, I'm a filmmaker. Yeah. And I've made too few films. Yeah. All right? I'm sorry. I wish I didn't have to say that. But... Uh, no, but it, but you know, I, I I saw a panel the other day. There were um, four artists on it, and all four of them were uh, saying to the other cartoonists that they were jealous of their talent. And that's, you know, it, it's a little bit grass is always greener. It's a little bit not being able to step away and distance yourself from your own work. Yeah, you know, probably, probably um, by many people's standards. You've, yeah, it's you've great. Done Listen, if other people enjoy my stuff, fine. <laughs> I, I, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoy the stuff I did. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm still eaten up by As I said before, listen, when you grow to be a certain age, yeah. you've added to what you were. You're not subtracting yeah. from what you were. You don't lose yourself. And, and at the end of the day, you know, maybe if you were completely happy in what you've done, you wouldn't yeah, be creating anymore. No, not go on and on and on. Yeah. But, but, it's, but it's sort of, it's, it's that incomplete feeling in a sense that pushes you to keep making things. You know, there's a wonderful anecdote about Henry James. Yeah. Somebody reported that on his deathbed, he noticed that Henry James' right hand shook as if he was writing. 
Wow, what a way to go. There you go. That was our old black man. Thank you so much to him for taking the time to do that. Thanks to Jack and Anna at Fanographics for setting it up. Uh, just an utter honor and pleasure speaking to to him about his uh, his his vast body of work. Uh, he was so so. We actually conducted that at, uh, at at the Mocha Art Show in Manhattan, which is why it was in- incredibly loud the entire time. We did it in the middle of the floor at the Fanographics booth. Um, he he was there, so he's got a new book out now on Fanographics called uh, Amadeo and Maladeo. Highly recommend you check it out. Uh, just a really wonderful, whimsical, fantastic book. Uh, certainly, certainly worth your time, as well as the uh, the, the relatively recent uh, collection of his work that came out on Drawn and Quarterly called Talking Lines. Um, he's he's just a completely fascinating artist. So he he was there talking about the new book uh, but he was also there to, to present some of his 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 animation work so he's been doing that quite a bit over the years um, I was actually most familiar with him we you know we talked about this a bit during the conversation um, you know of course this is uh, you know a bit of a mixed bag to be to be best known through some of your uh, some of your advertising work but the you know that the stuff they did with with alka-seltzer um, the uh, the animated stuff that he did uh, for for CBS. We talked about that a little bit. The uh, the CBS Christmas greeting, um, just kind of you know one of uh, just kind of one of one of the all time greats. Um, it's you know I, I kind of liken it to the the Charlie Brown Christmas, which is uh, a favorite of anything of mine, and this is kind of like that spirit distilled into a, a minute long ad. Um, but he was actually there showing off some new works, uh, well, some old works that, that have never been shown off before. He he was working on a, a feature-length adaptation of Candy by, by Voltaire, and it was just a, a complete uh, complete honor and, and privilege to, to see a, a screening of some of the animatics for that. Um, sincerely hoping he, he finds the time to, uh, to, to finish it up. You never know. Um, I, I suspect that most people never anticipated that that would be seeing the light of day. It also, uh, so fingers crossed, but uh, also fingers crossed that he continues to work on uh, some comics as well. Um, thanks again so much to him. Thanks again to Fanographics for helping set that up. Again, just a complete honor and privilege speaking with him. Uh, thanks to Brian, as always, for editing the show together. If you liked what you heard, if you enjoy the show, I highly recommend that you check out our Patreon Please, please, please support us over there. You can also uh, kind of sort of support us over at iTunes. If you like the show, please give us a, a, a good rating on iTunes. Um, if you've got any feedback, it's rylcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Tumblr. That's rylcast.tumblr.com. That is the first and best place to get all of your R-I-Y-L-related information. Uh, like us on Facebook, and I think that's about all I got for this week. So uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Stick around. We will be back just about this time next week with another episode of R-I-Y-L. Thank you.